and welcome to Analytics at ServiceNow. I'm your host, Alex Sanginov. In the next seven episodes, we will share the ins and outs of leading a successful analytics team to run the company by data. In today's episode, we're joined by Meredith Makavoy and Gaurav Tatuka, who are the leaders of research and insights team that enable executives with sought-after data-driven decision-making capabilities. Let's hear it from them on how they do it. Hello and welcome to the show, Meredith and Gavra. I'm super excited to have you both. Thanks. Thanks for having us, Alex. We're, we're excited to be here to talk about research and insights today. Yeah. Uh, thanks, uh, Alex, for inviting us. Uh, uh, glad to be here. Awesome. So I spoke to Vijay a couple episodes ago, and uh, he mentioned that the research and insights seem a uniquely positioned function here at Analytics at at ServiceNow team, where usually it sits on uh, cross-functional teams, I believe. So if you can help shed light in how Research Insights team, you know, came about and how is it different, uh, what does your team do and how is it different than uh, your prior roles potentially or, you know, any other companies? Sure. So I can start that one off. Um, so the Research and Insights team delivers in-depth, statistically-backed answers to strategic business questions, often for the VP plus the CEO staff segment of the leadership team. Um, leaders often approach us seeking to understand what are the, their strategic levers are, what are their growth drivers, how do they accelerate the business and improve the customer experience. So we are a horizontal team, meaning that any topic area is fair game, be it product analytics, marketing analytics, sales, and so forth. In my past lives, I've seen this more related to a particular function. So, um, you know, in, in my previous job, uh, before I joined ServiceNow, I actually was doing a similar function on end-to-end -end customer experience, but um, serving the customer success group. So it was very aligned to a Kind of, a ver kind of a vertical, kind of a horizontal, depending on how you look at it, but, but really it was all about customer success. The difference here at ServiceNow is that any topic is fair game. We can jump in and jump out of any vertical, any horizontal, and, and really answer those questions, which is great. Um, we're a small but mighty team. We have 10 total, and that's including myself and Gaurav, uh, split across wow. California and, and in Hyderabad. And um, we often partner with, with a lot of strategic uh, groups throughout the company, including our corporate strategy teams, as well as our partners in the data and analytics team. Awesome. Awesome. And Gabo, how is this different uh, from your experience? Uh, yeah, so uh, talk about uh, my background. So I joined uh, uh, this team uh, uh, a year and a half ago. Uh, from C Technologies, where uh, I was uh, uh, leading a team, and uh, apart from uh, the reporting, uh, I was also uh, responsible for providing insights to the customer success and support uh, team. And uh, uh, what? Uh, uh, so here also, like we are doing the similar kind of work. Uh, we are like uh, uh, using the data, understanding it, uh, transforming the data into knowledge and insights and uh, supporting this, uh, the strategic decision making. Awesome. Uh, so I can only imagine Meredith and, you know, Gava from both of your quick description, I think you guys are being too humble in uh, giving up, you know, the secret sauce of, you know, everything that your team does, but I can only imagine the amount of work and the amount of requests 
uh, you, uh, comes through your team, right? So how do you go about prioritizing all of that, especially, you know, when two VPs asking, you know, that, you know, it's a top of mind for them, how do you prioritize an you know, executive asks uh, with a mighty team? Well, <laughs> I think uh, the key to this type of function is understanding that fire drills are the rule, not the exception. So we should be prepared like for that. it, right? Um, <laughs> and <laughs> it took me a little bit to realize that myself because I'm like, why am I getting all these fire drills? But it actually is great because it means that we are doing the most strategic work for the business. Um, we actually, I, I didn't cover this earlier, we actually have two main functions within the team. We have mission control, which is um, shorter term emerging issue arm think Houston, we have a problem, might be very related to the name. <laughs> um, and we have our, our deep dive uh, study insight side, which tackles those longer term business questions. So when we have, you know, fire drills that come in, the first thing we do is just triage it a little bit, try to understand what, it, what is being asked, when is it needed, how are, you know, how is this data going to be used, because that will help us to really understand, ideally, if it's Short term, less than two week study, then we could probably give it to the mission patrol arm. If it's longer term, then it needs to be prioritized against everything else that's on, on that list of longer term studies. Our longer term studies typically run between two and eight weeks. So as you can imagine, it's pretty hard to stop one once it's started. Um, so that's why prioritization is critical. Um, I currently, I manage our work via um, a Kanban board uh, using the ServiceNow mm -hmm. platform. So when I get a new task, I, you know, I ask about those critical pieces of information and try to figure out where it, where it fits. The other key, key thing is for, before we kick off any study, I make sure I have a VP plus sponsor um, as well as a committed action. I truly believe that insight without action is meaningless. We might as well not do it. Um, so, yeah. and since so much time and resources go into our studies, we wanna make sure that this is something that's really gonna be used. There's a clear application for it. And, um, and then if we're all aligned on, um, hey, these are really truly the next big impactful things we want, that's when we, we put the study at the top of the backlog and it's the next one that gets kicked off. Wow, you touched on a couple of things that I wanna follow up on. So the first one is, you mentioned you have a VP sponsor who is essentially is signing up for like, hey, if you give me this, I will do this, right? Yeah. Uh, so if I'm, if I can put myself, you know, on a VP shoes, I need to give you a pretty good reason why you should prioritize my ask over some other VPs ask. So it is a yeah. battle of, you know, bigger decision, is it? <laughs> yeah, it is. And I mean, that's where I, I find transparency is key here. Um, when, when I'm approached with someone, of course, your thing is going to be the most important thing to you. But I also say, hey, here's the other three things that are on our plate at this time. Here's the next two or three that are in the backlog. Can you convince me that this is more important? And, and if we need a tiebreaker, that's why we'll go up the chain. Um, and, and it also helps that what I have on a monthly basis is a research and insight steering committee um, and has members such as our CIO, our chief strategy officer and other key business leaders across sales, finance and strategy. In those meetings, we not only share what we're learning, but I also make sure we have full alignment on what's critical to learn next. And that's also where I can make sure that any emerging issues that are happening or emerging questions or, or any key initiatives I'm not even aware of are bubbled up to the top of the list and so that we can make sure our work is truly the most strategic and the most timely for the company. That does mean though, sometimes 
requests get pushed. Um, there, there's one right now where I've been pushing it since Q2. We will get to it sometime this year. I'm trying to find every possible way to get it onto the list. But I mean, that, that's the fact of the matter here when, when we have such high priority work. So uh, in terms of you know, following up on that action with executives, uh, what does that framework look like? after you deliver uh, that particular, you know, insights, all right, you know, let's uh, pick on your mission control, like, hey, you know, I need something as soon as possible. I'm trying to make this decision, right? This is one of the biggest one yet for the company, right? How do you go about it? And uh, how do you trace back the actions taken by that executive? Well, I think the one most important point here is that we still we, we build relationships with our key stakeholders, with our strategy teams and so forth. And so, uh, I mean, often when we're delivering things, I have people just coming to me and saying, oh, we use this for X, Y, and Z. Oh, we had to make a decision and that was really, really helpful. Or I have others reaching out to me and saying, hey, do we know anything in this area? And so, so that's one way that we get our insights out and make sure they're being used. For the um, stakeholders, you know, that have signed up and committed, I can give one example. We had delivered something for um, one of our GMs and, and the, uh, you know, ServiceNow platform uh, business unit uh, at the end of last year. He actually went out on the stage for, for our sales kickoff and, and for many other wow. company forums using our insights, saying, um, saying how he came to his strategy and all of it was data back behind what we had given him. So, you know, wow. it's, it's, really through testimonials it's it's through just you know listening on other forums and and just direct feedback from these stakeholders and also the other way to really tell they're using is they come back and ask for more right <laughs> if it really benefited them they want more of it and and usually in order to say hey meredith i need i need this they'll tell me you know the last thing you gave me was so great and i did all of these things with it and now i need this and so um so a lot of times we go and ask, other times we hear it in different forums, um, or for most of the time, they just come and tell us directly what they've done with it and, and how they've used it. Awesome. I want to uh, use that uh, example just to narrow down, you know, what happens behind the scene with your team, you know, between, you know, US and uh, India, India teams, right? How does that collaboration between two geos as well as uh, since, you know, given it's a small team, how do you still prioritize and what does that look like from the team's perspective, right? Someone who's actually, you know, behind the scene doing these, all the data crunching, right? Uh, if you can shed yeah. light on that. Yeah. Sure. So, I, I mean, we are in a 12 and a half time zone, 12 and a half hour time zone difference here. Um, so essentially we can work on projects 24 hours a day. <laughs> I know the teams don't work like day, and, and we really and we really try to make sure that they're um, taking time for themselves. But but generally, I partner up our working teams on any study. There's usually two or three analysts assigned, and those are across geographies. It's not just U.S. working on one thing and India working on another. It's working across the teams because okay. everyone has a different skill set and a different strength that they bring to the table, and and I like to mix that into our studies that we have, a, you know, we get to one combined awesome perspective on this is how we should be doing it and this is um, how we should move forward. Now, when we do kick off a study, when it's prioritized, we do a few things. First, we, we um, the team meets, the working team is defined, they meet and they brainstorm on, on what's the best approach to this analysis. Before we do any work, we lay out the approach and usually we'll check back in with our stakeholders or um, other peer reviewers that we've identified and, and make sure that everyone is 
clear because ultimately we, we have an ask, we know what it's going to be used for, we need to ask ourselves, is the result of this approach going to get us what we need? And if it's not, we have to go back to the drawing board. Um, and so once we have the approach to line on, that's when the analysis kicks off and, and we'll do periodic check-ins and peer reviews throughout until it's delivered. Okay. Gaffa, I'm curious, how does the battleground you know, looks like from uh, India office? Yeah, Is so, it right. So uh, uh, to add to like what Meredith uh, has said, like uh, uh, we have like uh, in a project, we try to keep a team uh, in both the geo. At the same time, we try to have uh, people with diverse skill set, somebody who is like really good with uh, data analysis or right. somebody who is good with like uh, good presentation or coming up with framework. Mm -hmm. And uh, as Meredith mentioned, like uh, we spend good amount of time initially uh, in coming up with the framework of how to approach the problem, get it welded with the, uh, with the stakeholders and then uh, uh, go about and perform the analysis and share that uh, with end users. That, that's an interesting point. So if you had to pick a couple skills, what would you, what would you say you know, are essential for this to be successful in this role? Uh, so primarily, uh, we look for uh, three skills. Uh, one is uh, data analysis. Uh, second is uh, data science. And third is uh, uh, business acumen. Uh, so in data analysis, it's more about like somebody who can analyze the data. Right. Uh, and uh, a skill set uh, uh, person should have it is uh, good with uh, Excel, Tableau, SQL, how we can massage the data, get right. it from various places. Uh, second area is like uh, uh, also data science, like uh, should have a good understanding of like uh, statistics, uh, basic ML concepts like uh, regression right. uh, and all. And okay. third area is uh, uh, business acumen, uh, which is person should have a good business understanding, should have a good understanding of uh, uh, how is the subscription of SaaS model, and right. uh, he, he or she should be able to come up with uh, a framework and approach to solving problem, and should right. have a good uh, uh, PowerPoint presentation skill as well as uh, uh, good communication skills. Yeah, yeah, they have to be able to sell the insights. Right. Mm -hmm. So someone can actually take insight on or take action on. <laughs> See how they're interchangeable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Those storytelling and data visualization skills are just so crucial because if we spend all this time getting it together, but we can't effectively convey that message again, we're back to it's meaningless. Um, the other, you know, thanks for uh, completely aligned with, with all of those great skills, but the other one I will point out and which is more of a, I guess, a soft skill is curiosity. Curiosity is crucial. Um, a colleague recently used the term data whisperer, and I love that because I think it really summarizes what we do here in R&I. Oftentimes, the insights won't just jump off the page at you. You need a curious mind and a nimble skill set to be able to approach that problem multiple ways. Um, if your first approach doesn't yield anything statistically significant, you need to understand why. You need to dig in. You need to figure out what else you could try, look at different cohorts, different time periods, et cetera. So it's really that curiosity with data and that data whispering to make the data speak to you that helps us figure out what, what our insights are. Yeah, and yeah, just to add to that, like in uh, the recent uh, one of the project, which is uh, the NMACV prediction, uh, 
that curiosity thing uh, actually helped a lot where it was not just using a, like a, a modeling approach, but team went ahead, uh, came up with like multiple approaches uh, to solve that problem. I 100% agree what uh, in terms of, you know, curiosity being the essentially hidden skill set, if you will, for an analyst to be uh, successful, right? Because the moment you see something like you should be able to ask questions and anticipate question behind the question, which is usually a cliche, but it, it is a, it is what it is from a, being an analyst, right? Usually uh, when a question comes in, I'm assuming you know, it's an open ended, right? And then that's where you kind of drill, drill, drill until you find that, you know, hidden gem inside, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like the, the typical questions that we get just to give some overview are, you know, what is the ROI of this, you know, particular feature or role or um, right. experience that we offer here at ServiceNow? And so, mm -hmm. or, or what are the, um, what's the ACV impact or our annual contract value impact of performing this action or um, selling this product or service. Uh, so we really need to understand and, and think about, okay, well, who is the customer and what would they do and, and how would they approach this to really understand, you know, and tease out all of those different impacts. By the way, I am impressed in terms of uh, your mission control, you know, the whole approach and how you're taking, you know, the research insight. I have never heard, you know, this well executed and with a small team, I'm super impressed. But I have a question in terms of distributing the amount of work that your team produces, right? Uh, what is the best way? And of course, can I get access to them? Or are they, you know, sensitive <laughs> enough to all, you know, guard it? How, how do you go about distribution of those, you know, hidden gems of insights? It's a great question, Alex, and you're right. It, it, first, it's not just enough to create insights for a business, for one key stakeholder and sponsor we need to distribute them too. We need to get, get them out there to the business. We need to increase our data fluency and build that institutional knowledge. But you're also right, depending on the business question or topic, these studies might not be appropriate for all levels of the organization. So the general rule of thumb that I use is to um, leverage our insider trading restrictions. If an employee is on that list, it's okay to them, for them to be a consumer right. of our insights because by, by nature of being on that list, they're privy to information that is not public. <laughs> and, um, and Alex, you're on the list, so you get to, get, you get to have all the access, which is great. Awesome. Um, but before I, before I do grant any access to our studies, I, I make sure to check that list because it does update very frequently as, as we're a very right. um, fast-growing company. Um, Longer-term insight studies are products in themselves. So they need to be launched like a product. So after we finish our peer reviews and we review with the study sponsor, we also launch the study by sending a launch email and detailing the key insights. And we also have an insight portal, which is also hosted on our ServiceNow platform. And it aligns all of the key insight studies to the customer journey. And it really details everything that we know today. Um, so even if you don't have access to all of the in, individual studies, you would be able to kind of get a feeling of the types of studies that we've done. Um, and, and that would be helpful as well. And, you know, you know, and those on the insider trading list uh, can also click in and, and go deep on all of the details. Um, finally, I also periodically conduct roadshows with business leaders to showcase assets and studies that we've created. Um, and in the latter half of this year, some exciting stuff coming where we're looking at new ways to distribute our insights. And, and look at that audience that might be feeling a little bit left out um, okay. by, you know, 
by sharing some non-insider facts and business definitions and helps to bring them up to speed in a way that is using more publicly available information. Can you tell us more about that? <laughs> how, how sure. Do, how do so, you plan to execute the future plan? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm actually, um, I'm using this idea. It, it's an idea I had at my previous company where um, mostly my team had it. I can't take all the credit, <laughs> um, but we had, it was called right. daily data point. It was actually a Slack channel where mm -hmm. um, the premise was in the daily course of an analyst day, they find a lot of interesting insights that aren't necessarily, you know, big insights. They're not things that they're going to go put in the final presentation, but it's interesting. So number of customers that did this action, um, just the general frequency distribution of by geo or segment of this different cohort. Um, some of those things are really interesting to other people. And so yeah. we are actually creating two different places to showcase these insights. One of them is for that more restricted insider um, trading population. And that's actually another Slack channel. I'm not committing to daily this time. That was a lot of overhead. Um, but okay. uh, we, we just launched a, mi a mission control Slack channel last week. Um, we're right. piloting it with the data and analytics organization. But the purpose there is to share the latest short-term learnings um, with, our, with our peers and partners in the business and just have a conversation. What's on people's minds? You know, what can they use this for? And that's really, as we look at that mission control emerging insights arm, we want to make sure that we're looking at things that are relevant to the questions people have. The second part of that strategy is um, a, it's called a did you know series. And so think of it as a quick data bites um, aimed at building data fluency and, and sharing the non-insider information and business definition. We'll be launching that on our analytics at now forum, which is open to all employees of ServiceNow. Um, but we'll be sharing, if we do share financial information, it'll be the previous closed quarter, things that are um, more publicly available. But really it's about increasing our, our um, data community, right? Getting people more interested and more familiar with yeah. the data that we have available, with the types of insights we have available, and just helping to build everyone's knowledge. Absolutely. And I must say, I spent a little too much time on the community, and I look forward to seeing all the additional insights that are coming our way. I'm pretty sure our internal community would benefit from it greatly, as well as, you know, the rest of the employees who are more data savvy, uh, nonetheless. Yes. Uh, and coming into uh, lessons learned, or you know, if someone wants to uh, replicate you know, the success uh, that we have, that you guys have established you know, here at ServiceNow, this uh, research in insights you know, function, if other leader uh, wants to establish a research and insights team, with their team within their teams or companies, how should they go about it? What does it take? I think initially, it's okay to start small, but make sure that team is dedicated to these deep dive studies. I've led organizations in the past where we tried to straddle both to run the business and dashboard work along with strategic studies and hands down when something is broken and people can't get the data they need, the study always takes second priority. Um, and we always struggle with balancing that work and never moved quite fast enough. And so I'd say, you know, number one, make sure that you're dedicating your team to this work. Um, because, and this work has to be more open and fluid. We don't know exactly how long it's going to take. We have to scope it. Right. We don't exactly know where the analysis is going to lead us. It, it, it yeah. really, it's critical up front to make sure that we um, know we're aligned on what, what is the, pro the question we're trying to answer, 
what do we want to know? What are we going to do with it? And then making sure that that approach to that problem is really going to get us what we need. Um, I'd say a great way to get started is find a senior leader to sponsor the work um, and, and make that person your champion, right? So find out their biggest business question, see if you can solve it and get them to help you spread the word. Uh, you'll have a bit, pretty high net promoter score on that if, if you solve a really critical question that they're answering. And then they'll, they'll help you go out on that road show and, and get others interested in this type of work. And then, you know, once you, and, and you'll be amazed, once you start talking to key leaders and you start giving these examples of, hey, I've done this study or, or this other study and here's the output of it and here's what they did with it, You'd be amazed at how many questions start flooding back to you. Um, and so then it's, it's really important to put that prioritization process in place and then make sure you're thinking about how do we scale this out once we um, not only just scaling the team, but also scaling the insights and making sure that the, the whole company can benefit from what we're learning here. Absolutely. Uh, this may be a no brainer question, but Gavrov, how important is it you know, to have global presence or or, or would it be best once things go back to normal to have all the team within uh, uh, one location or you know, uh, is it best you know, to have distributed location? Oh, I think distributed location um, is really good to have. And uh, uh, we have seen that uh, in r &A team, it is re working really well. Uh, we have uh, uh, half of the team is uh, in US and half of the team is in India. And the advantage of this is uh, uh, we are able to like uh, uh, speed up the analysis uh, and uh, we just require handshake uh, during the morning and evening time um, between the yeah. zones. And uh, uh, yeah, so like it, it helps us in like uh, having a quick turnaround on deliverable. Yeah, and just to add to that, I think it also helps with stakeholders that are, are distributed around the world. I mean, we don't just work with with stakeholders in the US or in India, we work with Absolutely. them all over the, the world in all different time zones and it helps to have that coverage um, with both teams. Absolutely. Again, that was no uh, no brainer question and I take I wish I could take it back. <laughs> well, and, thank you, and thank you for confirming that, you know, uh, as we go into this, you know, virtual mode, I think you know, it becomes essential to have global presence. So my last question, and it's a two pronged. Uh, what would you say your biggest achievement thus far as a team? And the second is, what would be your biggest lessons learned? If you had to do something all over again, what would that be? All right, so I'll kick this one off. Um, so we've delivered a lot of really impactful insights uh, since I've been here at ServiceNow. Um, but I think the one that I'm really, really proud of, uh, both in this role and, and just because in my past life I've never been able to really do this so well um, because of different, yeah. you know, many different factors is the customer journey data map. Um, we actually created a customer journey map outlining the typical customer experience of our, our enterprise customers um, here at ServiceNow and it actually okay. started as a hackathon project that we did last year. Um, uh, it was yeah. around December timeframe. Yeah, and I, you probably remember it, Alex. You, yes, you know, a, a I do. Been in those hackathons and lead it. And what we did is we took all of the ideas from that hackathon, because I think three or four different teams worked on it, but my team took the action to bring this thing to life. And where we ended up, and I think we finished it around February timeframe, and then I took it on a roadshow with many of our senior leaders, um, is that it actually helped us 
understand you know, from when the customer is entering the marketing funnel to all the way into the renewal cycle, um, three years later, typically, um, what that customer was experiencing, how long it took them to move from stage to stage, what the deal looks like, what the products look like, you know, what their experience looks like, what sort of um, customer success experiences they were having, what, what sort of um, implementation experiences were they having and so forth. And what was great is that, uh, you know, no one has really done this before here at ServiceNow where we look at it so comprehensively and yeah. it was exciting. It was really exciting. And, and what this really gives us now is now we have a baseline. We know we actually did it for um, all of the customers who joined ServiceNow in 2019 and we actually baselined it against 2018. And right now this month, we're actually working on refreshing it for the first half of 2020. So we can see how have we moved, how have we changed. Um, it also helps us to identify proactively new areas of study. So if we don't like a number on that page, we should dig in, we should figure out why, we should understand what the levers are and really work to improve that customer experience. That one really, really is exciting to me. I love that customer journey map, I must say, on yeah. the record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a fun challenge to fit it all on one page and it actually is printable. We can print it out on a tabloid piece of paper and hand it to someone, right. which before COVID, that was more of a thing. But, right. um, and, but, it's, but it's really impactful for a business leader to be able to carry that around to their meetings or put it on their, on their work from home desk and be able to refer back to it and say, oh, you know, what is the average time it takes to close a deal? You know, how long should we expect this customer to stay in this stage and so forth? And so it's, it's really, really helpful. Okay. Um, so going into the second part of your question, lesson learned, lessons learned, I think I have, I have two main, main lessons that I can think of right now, which are one, um, make sure we don't have too many cooks in the kitchen. So I, I alluded to this earlier. Uh, I typically have two to three analysts per, per study working team. Um, it's really, really helpful to make sure that you clearly define those roles and responsibilities. So who owns the decision, right? Who, who's giving input? Right. Who actually owns the decision? You can apply RACI, DACI, RIDE frameworks, whichever one um, right. works for you and your company. But, yeah. it's, but, you know, ultimately, analysts, when put in a room to brainstorm, they're going to come up with many different approaches to solving a problem. And, and ultimately, you need to know, you know, who owns that decision on which one we go forward with. Um, and that will help to resolve a lot of conflicts later. Um, right. Second, prioritization. We've mentioned it before, but it's key. We need to make sure that we are working on the most essential business problem. And, and that means yeah. there has to be trade-offs. You can't just take on another study just because it's more important because that will overstretch and burn out your team. So it's really about having that transparency and making sure that you're saying, okay, if we have to push this, we will, but you know, we need to communicate that and, and make sure that everyone is clear on exactly why we've done that. But we can't just keep adding to the list and burning out the team because then they won't get, you know, the same a level of output in, in our work. Yes. Awesome. Gavrov. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> sure. So I can talk about a project. Uh, it was, uh, uh, it is uh, NACV prediction, uh, which is uh, net new active contract value prediction. Uh, so this was a project okay. uh, which we did in uh, Q2 of this year. And okay. the idea about this project was uh, to predict what would be the landing value of, of our net new active contract value. Uh, at the end of the quarter, quarter plus one, quarter plus two. 
uh, and uh, uh, like prediction is always a like <laughs> very uh, tough project and uh, uh, we used like uh, uh, some of the the regression approaches uh, to solve this problem at the same time uh, the curious mindset of the team uh, helped in like uh, further uh, taking this project uh, like detailed level and applied multiple concepts one of the concept was uh, uh, with respect to quota pull factor. So if there is a target that is set, generally um, the team try to reach towards the target if uh, uh, that is at the end of the quarter. So uh, uh, yeah, so, so good part was uh, uh, we predicted the, the output number uh, with an accuracy of 4% uh, uh, error rate. And uh, uh, I, th I think there are very few companies uh, who predict yeah. the, the business uh, with such a uh, high accuracy. Uh, so it is like uh, uh, really good. And uh, uh, even the result that we got uh, uh, for the Q2 prediction was like uh, within that limit. So it was good, really good to see uh, this project uh, being done by RNA team. Um, and uh, amazing. Uh, yeah, I'll follow up with you offline on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and in terms of uh, uh, lessons learned, um, so um, we started this project with like thinking probably we'll, we'll do that in like uh, uh, two weeks' time, but like uh, we keep getting questions. So it was like uh, important for us to uh, use like uh, uh, simple approach which is like easy to explain uh, to like uh, end users to, so that we can answer any questions that they mm -hmm. have so uh, yeah good to see that uh, uh, instead of using like a very sophisticated approach it's important that we use the approach which is easy for us to explain to the end users and answer their queries amazing amazing thank you very much both this was amazing chat. Thank you both for spending time and taking time out of your busy schedule. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate you having us and uh, you know where to find us. We're always happy to answer your questions. Yeah. Thank awesome. you, Alex. Uh, it was a pleasure uh, talking to you. This was an episode three of a seven part series of analytics at ServiceNow. In the next episode, we will cover the third pillar of analytics strategy, artificial intelligence or AI and how to embed AI capabilities to help prioritize work for users that they will welcome to use and not shy away from what is perceived as an intimidating black box. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your peers and network. Until next time.